evening. So, let's continue on from where we had left off many moons ago. We're in the middle of discussing Hilkos Muxa. We'll briefly recap that which we learned in the previous year because it has been a long time ago. Although it's not 100% relevant to the year tonight, and tonight I really want to focus on the halachas of bosses. The halachas of bosses are something which we've mentioned many, many times, we've discussed it many times, but in passing, we haven't really gone into detail into understanding bosses, and bosses is really relevant to us in every single week. But let's, before we get there, let's just recap that which we learned. We discussed in the previous year the halachas of a kalish and malach and itza. A is a vessel which is primarily or only used for something which is also. So the example we gave would be a pair of scissors. A pair of scissors is nearly only, almost only used for cutting. It's rarely used for anything else. A cutting is a melacha, which is us on Shabbos. So this keli now becomes a keli shemlachta issa and becomes muksa and may not be moved. Another example of an article which sometimes is used for a permissible use, but primarily is used for a non-permitted use, would be a hammer. A hammer is primarily used to knock nails into a wall, which is a malacha, to destroy, which is a malacha, but can be used to break open nuts, etc. Since its primary use is that of an issa, it becomes now a kedush from that issa. And the rules and halachas of kedush from that issa differ from the halachas of the muksa that we previously spoke about, and that's the muksa mechmas of son kiss, and that's why we learn the two together to give us a contrast. Muksa mechmas of son kiss, which is a muksa of the vessel which is of value, and therefore has a specific place where it's designated and not used on a regular basis, that may not be moved at all. Can't be moved not for Magufa, not for its own use, not not for the use of the place where it's been placed, and not not for its protection. No type of filter is permitted when it comes to However, when it comes to a keli, which is since it is a keli, and it's only which is the cause of its muksa, then the halacha changes. If you need the article, like a hammer. If you need a hammer on Shabbos to crack nuts, then you may, you may, you may move the article, you may use the article, you may lift it up and actually use it to crack the nuts. The movement is permitted. If the hammer is lying on the armchair, and we'll discuss a lot of the bosses a bit later, if a hammer is lying on an armchair and you want to sit on the armchair, you want the place where this hammer is now lying, you may move the hammer without any shimmering, pick it up with your hands, move it, etc., put it in a place which is out of the way and sit down on the armchair. If, however, you want to move the article which is muxa, which is the case from Nakhonissa, purely to protect that article, which in the words of Chazal is called Micham on the tail, you're moving it from the sun to shade because you want to protect the article, that's when filter is forbidden. So, if you have a pen on the table, on your Shabbos table, how you got there is irrelevant, you want to now use the Shabbos table, pick up the pen with your hand, and go put it on the side, go put it somewhere safe. If you have a pen on the table and you don't want to use the table, you just want to protect that pen, then you may not pick up the pen and move it to a safer place. Mechamel is also the Sarech Kufa or the Sarech Koma is permitted. Yes. Uh, those keys, are not, uh, well, it depends what key are on your ring. If it's a key for, for drug, a front door key is not much. No. A key, if you have a car key, that will be muksa, because that's only used. I give up. That a car key will be muksa because that's only used to for driving, which is a, which is a malacha. So that car key will be muksa. If you had a bunch of keys which had a house key and a car key, we'll discuss that. That would be a problem. of principle that said that we discussed a few shirim ago. Um, it would be nice to be able to go back over all the shirim, but perhaps we would at the end we'll make a summary of all the basic halachas that we learned. When the end will be, we'll both show those.
we discussed that the halachas of have a certain leniency to them, but most moksas, if they're in your hand, we advise you to drop it in its immediately in the nearest place you can. A kedusha makal is if you lifted it up for a valid reason and you're now finished. So you lifted up the, you lifted up the hammer because you want to crack the nuts and you now crack those nuts, but the hammer's still in your hand. You are not obligated to drop the hammer immediately. You can carry on holding the hammer and take it to a place, a safe place, even if it's just to protect the hammer. Since it arrived in your hand, the it arrived in your hand through a means which was permitted, you may then continue to move this article and put it in a safe place. So you can take the hammer, put it back in your toolbox, you can take the pen, which you've lifted up for a good reason because you wanted the space on the table, and put it wherever you like. You don't need to drop it in the, in, in the, nearest, uh, the nearest point. And that's a, a, a leniency which is specific, primarily specific to the halakhas of Kedish and Nakhbal We gave a few examples of Kedish and Nakhbal For instance, pots and pans, empty pots and pans are a Kedish and Nakhbal and may not be moved for no purpose at all, or for the protection of the pot and pan. A, a pot and pan is there for cooking. Cooking is an issa, so it's a kemish and nakhal issa. If, however, you have food in the pan, then there is a hassle to move the pan because there is something mutter inside it called food. This, again, doesn't, it's not a rule across, across the board of this mutter, but at least when it comes to pots and pans, you may move that vessel, though it's mutter, because you have food inside it, and the food itself isn't mutter. But an empty pot and pan is mutter. So if you, if you finish the whole challenge, you may not just move the pot and pan for the sake of protecting the pots and pans. You may move it if you need the space on the kitchen side, but you can't move it for the protection of the pot and pan. We spoke about <coughs> telephone books being a cage from Lapidissa. Telephone book is a cage which is Lapidissa. Its primary use is for looking up telephone numbers. You sometimes might use it to prop up a child so, or to put under a, a wobbly table to even out the, the, the uh, disproportionate legs, you might use a telephone book. That will be permitted. The Kedishim Nakhalisa is permitted to be used if you need the article. But if you just want to make sure that it doesn't get torn because the little child, the grandchild, or whatever it is, visitors that is running around the house and has a tendency to tear every book inside, then you may not move the telephone book. The telephone book is a Kedishim Nakhalisa. We spoke about all electrical items. All electrical items are Kedishim Nakhalisa. There are some, as we mentioned in the previous year, which are in Muxa because of Sankis, but most Electrical items are Kalish and Nakhalisa. All tools, combs, tools, scissors, um, hammers, any type of instrument like that is a Kalish and Nakhalisa. It can only be used if you need the KD or if you need the space, but can't be used, uh, it can't be moved to protect. Uh, we spoke about kitchen scissors. Kitchen scissors are not Kalish and Nakhalisa, they're fine, they're, they're perfectly committed Kali, and you may use your kitchen scissors to cut your chicken or whatever it may be on Shabbos. Finally, we spoke about thrilling being a Kalish and Nakhalisa, because one doesn't wear Twilin on Shabbos. So Twilin is considered a Kalish and Nakhalisa. If you left your, your palace in your Twilin bag, you have to said it's permitted to take your palace out, and even if you have to move the whole bag, in order to access your palace, that's fine, because the Kalish and which you're moving with Sayyid and the framework, which is totally permitted. But just to move the Twilin because you want to protect those Twilin, that would be also on Shabbos, because the Kalish and Nakhalisa, is forbidden. Okay, that's what we arrived at at the end of the previous year. He's not very happy because the battery's going. Okay. Let's move on now to a new area of muksa, and that's the area of muksa which is called bosses. Bosses literally means a base. Bosses comes from the word base, very similar to the word in Hebrew. That's in English. It means a base. It means something which is supporting something else. Now, there's something unique about the halakhas of muksa, which we, we almost don't find in any other issa, is that the muksa spreads. Muksa spreads from one article. In certain circumstances, muksa will spread from one article to another article. So if you have an article of muksa on top of another article which is permitted, 
then the article of muksa will spread its, extend its muksa to the article which is supporting it, and the article which is really a permitted article, which is now supporting this muksa article, will become muksa as well. Something which is a bosses, a base, a support. It doesn't have to actually be a physical support. It's a support because it's actually underneath the article which is muksa will start contagious, will have the same halachic properties as the article of muksa itself. So the example that we always spoke about is if you have candlesticks, which is the, the, the example that we've spoken about many times, and we'll, this week we'll focus on the candlesticks, and we'll discuss all the relevant halachas of muksa which are relevant to the candlesticks, which is the, the, the halachas of bosses. Plus, if you have candlesticks, which are muksa, now the actual empty candlestick, and we, just, we discussed this in the previous, the empty candlestick, the candlestick which has not been lit by Shabbos, is not really muksa, it's only a keni shemalach ben There's nothing wrong with this candlestick, except that its primary use is for candles. So it's a kedush from Nachtadis. And we discussed in the previous year, the Kivega's enormous kedush, that if you want to give a present to a chosm of candlesticks on Shabbos, since it's a kedush from Nachtadis, and you have a purpose, that you're, that you're serving a purpose by moving these candlesticks and giving it as a present, you are permitted to take those candlesticks, of course, in a place where there's an area, round to the chosm, and give them as a present to the chosm, despite the fact that it's muksa, because you're moving a muksa, which is the sorry of You're moving it for the sake of the use of the article. That's perfectly permitted. And candlestick is not muksa in its own right. It's a kedish and The problem with the candlesticks that we have is that we light candles inside it. A candle, the fire of the candle, the ash, the fire of the candle, is a muksa makmas gufa. We haven't discussed uh, at length the muksa makmas gufa yet. We will come across it as Hashem. But it has no intrinsic use, the fire. It is muksa makmas gufa. It's perhaps muksa makmas ish as well, because if you touch it, you're going to um, you don't extinguish it, so which is also on Shabbos. But the fire, the flame is muksa. Since the flame is muksa, the candle now catches that muksa from the flame. The candle becomes muksa. Candle in its own right might not be a real muksa. It might be just a candle like the But it now caught slightly contagious muksa. It's caught the muksa from the flame. So the candlestick becomes the candle becomes muksa. The candlestick, which is now holding the candle and the flame, therefore. That, that sort of the flame extends itself down to the candlesticks. The candlesticks are now not only a Kedish and Machmanesa, but they have the same muksa as the flame. They become a muksa Machmas And all the halachas of muksa Machmas will apply to the candlesticks. So, if a candlestick in its own right, one would be allowed to move Mitzarek Gufa and Mitzarek Mitzarek but since a flame may not be moved at all, because halachas of muksa Machmas are such that they are similar to muksa Machmas Kusar and where no movement at all is committed of a muksa Machmas so a flame may not be moved at all, so automatically the candle and the candlesticks and the tray underneath the candlesticks, and it could even be the table, which is a discussion in halacha, and the tablecloths on the table are all now a continuation of that single small piece of muksa of the flame, and they all carry the same halachas. None of them may be moved at all, not the Seref Kufa, not the Seref Mekayme, and definitely not Mecham Metzel on Shabbos. The halachas of bosses are that it will, the, the muksa, art, artic, and muksa article item, which is on top of something which is permitted, will automatically carry that, that level of muksa right away through to whatever is underneath it and supporting it. So therefore, comes to Shabbos, and you have your candlesticks on the table, you have now made the candlestick muksa, you have the tray underneath which is muksa, and as I said, perhaps even the tablecloth and the table, which we'll come back to at a later date. A simple, another simple example of a bosses would be if you have a drawer, 
a drawer which in its own right is perfectly permitted, an empty drawer, you may open and close the whole Shabbos, no problem at all, there's absolutely nothing wrong with opening and closing a drawer on Shabbos. If you place money inside that drawer, that drawer now becomes a bosses, it's, it's a muksa, and you may not open the drawer. Though I'm not moving the muksa article, I'm moving an article which is permitted, but that drawer is now muksa. Which level of muksa would it have? It will have the same level of muksa as the money which is inside it. It's retaining the money, it's supporting the money, it's holding the money. That drawer now becomes a bosses to that money. It may not be open to close at all on Shabbos. So if you have a stationary drawer, it may not be open to close because it's a drawer which is full of muksa and therefore bosses and cannot be open to close on Shabbos. Where there's a slight deviation from the halacha, there are rules to when an item becomes a boss and when it doesn't. And we're not going to arrive to get to those rules today because next time we'll want to sidetrack in a moment of a slightly different area which is relevant to bosses, but an area of muksa which we haven't discussed yet. But there is a slight leniency when it comes to the halacha of bosses. And that is, if you have something which is a bosses, ladova muta, ladova asa, it's a base, it's supporting something which is not only muksa, but at the same time it's supporting something which is perfectly permitted, and the permitted article is more chashuv than the non-permitted article, than the muksa article, then the base becomes subservient not to the muksa article, but it becomes subservient to the permitted article, and then it can be moved. So if you would have this drawer of money, but at the same time you would have inside that drawer your crockery which you need for your Shabbos meal, since that's more chashuv for you at this point in time, because you need to lay a table for Shabbos, so that chashivus overrides, the importance of that crockery overrides the muksa money, and the drawer becomes subservient in effect to the crockery rather than to the money. And if I can now open and close that drawer despite the fact that there's money inside the drawer. Definitely you shouldn't put the money there. But if it was put there and you forgot about it, okay, well, let's not forget. You put it there intentionally, not knowing that Allah is the bosses. And you put the money there on Friday and you thought, I need a safe place. I'm going to put it there, this drawer, with intention to leave it there over Shabbos. And then you realize, oh no, it's Friday night. It's come Shabbos, and you realize I need the, cr- the, the, the crockery that's in there, or I need an article, or a cake, a cake, um, whatever you call it, a uh, slicer, right, whatever, thank you. Uh, and it's in that drawer, and you forgot that the, the case, that cake slicer is in that drawer, perfectly permitted to open the drawer and shut it again because the cake, the, the drawer now becomes a bosses, not only to a dava muksa, but becomes a bosses to a dava mutter, a bosses to a dava het and a dava osa. If the dava het, if the permitted article is more chashet, has more value to you at this point in time, then the draw or the base becomes subservient to the Dava Mutter and not to the Dava Asa and does not become a bosses. Therefore, we find in Chazal, in Shulchanach, talks about laying a table with your candlesticks on. We have a problem now that the table becomes muksa. How do you get around the problem of muksa on this table? You might want to move the table after, after the meal so that you can have more space. You might want to move the table so you can, you can place it under the light and be able to see the food that you're eating. But you can't now because you place just your candlesticks, and those candlesticks are muksa. So my table is muksa. So the Shulchanach tells us a very, very interesting halakha. And he says, when you lay your table, when you put the candlesticks on the table, place your Shabbos colors on the table. Because at this point in time, the Shabbos colors are more chashuv to you, they have more value to you than that little flame that's on the top of the candle. And since it has more value, my table is now supporting not only that flame, which is the source of the muksa, but it's supporting my chalas, which are needed for my Shabbos meal. So my table becomes a bosses, ledava muta, ledava osa. It becomes a base for something which is permitted, which in this case is the chalas. It's a base for the flame, which is the dava osa, which is muksa. The table becomes subservient to the chalas rather than the bava muksa. Therefore, end of the meal, I've finished. The, the 
table is in the wrong position, I need to move it. I can now move my table because the table is not muksa, because it's a bosses with double asa with double muksa. That's really the background to the halacha of bosses. Are we clear? Simple. Right? Uh, and there's a minig in Kalisrael. It's clear in halacha, there's a minig in Kalisrael to place colors on the table at the same time as you light your candles in order to get around the problem of muksa. That is the minig in Kalisrael and clearly brought down in halacha. The table is not muksa now. Hundred percent. Table is not muksa. Stays not muksa. Now we're going to discuss. Correct. Correct. We're going to discuss this a little bit, a little bit more now. Where we need to sidetrack and we need to discuss a halacha which is relevant to hilchos muksa and it's not particularly relevant just to hilchos bosses. It's relevant to all hilchos muksa, but primarily it, it, it does seem to uh, be relevant to the halachas of bosses, and that's a new area of muksa. When is an article muksa? for the whole of Shabbos, and when is the article muksa only for part of Shabbos? So let's talk about bosses as an example, and let's ask a few questions, and, and from there build the halachas of what's known as megadis katsoyle kuli Shabbos, it's katsoyle kuli yemen. I'll explain to you in a moment what that means. You have a bosses on your table. It was placed on the table Friday afternoon with the intention for it to remain there for the whole Shabbos. Shabbos, evening, when is the Shabbos, somehow or other, that muksa article got knocked off the table. It was knocked off the table. It now is not on the table. Does that table remain muksa or does it not remain muksa? Don't forget, the source of muksa of this table is only the article of muksa which is lying on it. It's caught, right? That article of the muksa is contagious. It spread its muksa down to the table. But that muksa article is not there anymore. Does the table remain muksa or does it not remain muksa? What would happen if when Shabbos came in, there was no muksa on the table? Somehow or other, don't ask questions how, you place a muksa article on the table on Shabbos with intention to leave it there for the rest of Shabbos. Does that table become muksa? Does the table not become muksa? What would happen if that article which was placed on Shabbos on the table with intent then fell off the table? Would the table remain muksa? Would it not remain muksa? Right? These are clear halachic shiners. We'll spread it to something outside the halachas of bosses just to give you a broader understanding. You have washed some washing Friday afternoon. You were desperate. The washing machine man came Friday morning, fixed the washing machine, and immediately put in as many washes as you could. You now have wet washing, Shabbos, just as Shabbos is about to come in. So you run outside, you hang it up on your washing line outside. Wet washing is muksa. Wet washing, if it's very wet, but you can actually wring out some water, it's muksa. It could be in modern-day machines that the spin is so great that not only does it take out all the water, it probably destroys your clothes as well, but at the end of the day, the clothes are not... Not, not, not what's called tefer ham There's not really much water inside. Let's talk about washing, which is wet, right? You've got an old-fashioned washing machine from 30 years ago, and the water, the, the washing comes out wet. You hang it up on the, on the line to dry. Come Shabbos morning, the washing is perfectly dry, bone dry. It's a lovely day, it's a lovely sun, sunny day, and it's really dry, totally dry now. So the reason why this washing is muksa isn't there anymore. It's only muksa because it's wet. It's dry now. Can I now take the washing off the washing line? and put it away, or may I not take it off the washing line? What is the status of this washing? Now, the halacha here is as follows. I'm going to give you the explanation, the background to this halacha, based on how we've understood muksa up until now. We've understood muksa in a, in a certain way, and that's the simplest way to understand it. I'm not saying it's agreed across the board that that's the understanding of muksa, but that's how we've explained it, and that's the simplest way to understand it. The background to muksa we've explained many times throughout this shurim here is that something which is unprepared before Shabbos comes in, remains unprepared, meaning that an article for it to be used on Shabbos must be prepared for use on Shabbos. If an article is unprepared for use, it remains in its unprepared state and cannot be used on Shabbos. You cannot 
prepare an article on Shabbos. The Prophet says, prepare that which you will bring. Prepare means you have to prepare everything that you're going to use on Shabbos before Shabbos. Now, most articles are automatically prepared. Every article that you use on a daily basis is called Luchan, it's called prepared for Shabbos. You don't need to go around your house on a Friday afternoon saying, right, this is for Shabbos, that's for Shabbos, and that's for Shabbos. Most things are automatically or naturally ready for Shabbos. But there are articles which are set aside from average use. You've set it aside in, the, in your display unit, you're never going to use it. That article is not prepared for use. You cannot come on Shabbos and say, right, I now decide to use this article and make it prepared, make it ready for use. You can't do that. To, to prepare an article for use on Shabbos, it must be prepared before Shabbos. Must be, cannot be prepared on Shabbos. Therefore, say Chazal, we have a halacha which is known as Migri, the Iskatsori, the Benashmoshes. If an article is Muksa, Iskatsori is Muksa, for the Benashmoshes on the onset of Shabbos, Benashmoshes on the onset of Shabbos is round about from the time when you light your candles, two moments after that, till sunset, till, uh, till nacht, till sunset, till after sunset, till nacht, which is the end of Shkir, which is when Shabbos really Minatoria actually begins. At that period of time, if an article is not prepared, you have not prepared an article prior to that moment, then it can't be prepared on Shabbos. It automatically will remain muksa for the whole Shabbos. Because an unprepared article remains unprepared for the duration of Shabbos. If you prepared it, it's prepared. It's not muksa. But if it's unprepared as Shabbos comes in, it remains unprepared. So any article that's been muksa that was muksa as Shabbos comes in on the onset of Shabbos will remain muksa for the whole Shabbos. If it was muksa for the period of Ben Hashmoshes and the onset of Shabbos, it will remain muksa for the complete duration of Shabbos. And there's nothing you can do about it. So coming back to our washing, you have your washing wet on the line. When Shabbos came in, it was wet. For the whole duration of Ben Hashmoshes, your washing was hanging on that line and it was sopping wet, it's muksa. It's muksa because you might come to an issa to squeeze it out, which is halacha, which is also. So it remains muksa. Once it was muksa, when Shabbos comes in, there's nothing you can do. It's now called an unprepared article. It's an article which is not muchan for Shabbos. If it's not prepared for Shabbos, it remains unprepared until after Shabbos. There's nothing you can do about it. It remains on that washing line, despite the fact that you can't play football now because the washing's in the way, despite the fact that you can't sunbathe because the washing's in the way, there's nothing you can do about it. That washing is muksa and remains muksa for the Shabbos. Same will apply to your candlesticks. You have your candlesticks on the table. The truth is, your candles go out a couple of hours into Shabbos, three hours into Shabbos, four hours into Shabbos, depends what size candles you have, but after a few hours, your candles have burnt themselves out. The fire, the flame, which is the source of Moksa here, has long gone, has long gone. But, since, as Shabbos came in, in the onset of Shabbos, that flame was burning, and therefore the candlesticks became Moksa, because the Moksa of the flame, which was contagious, has spread down to the candlesticks, and spread to the tray underneath, and spread to the table if the table is a process. We now have a muksa. All these articles are now become muksa, have lost their hachona, have lost their preparation for Shabbos as Shabbos came in. So when Shabbos came in, they were all unprepared. They were not prepared for Eastern Shabbos. Once that flame burns out, it's too late. They are not prepared for Shabbos. They retain their muksa state. They retain their muksa state. Therefore, if I have candlesticks on the table, my table will remain muksa despite the fact that my candlesticks have fallen off, the, the candles burnt out, the candlesticks have fallen off, the tray's not there. It all remains muksa because once something's muksa, Shabbos comes in, it remains muksa for the complete duration of Shabbos. And that's where the real issue lies when it comes to muksa here with bosses and other areas. Let's talk about making, drying 
grapes, etc., and dates, etc., grape versus smukim. The process of drying into, uh, uh, grapes to raisins or, or other dried fruit is that you, you used to lie on the roof and you used to dry. In the process of drying fruit, it goes through two stages. First, it becomes inedible. And at that point, when it's inedible, you're not going to eat it. If you're not going to eat it, it is now unprepared. It then re- returns back to an edible state of raisins. You then had your, so what would happen if you had your grapes and lying on the roof, and they were drying, and they were drying out to become raisins, and as Friday afternoon came, Shabbos was about to start, you went upstairs and you had a look, and you realized that they were now at the inedible state. They were not edible. So they become muksa. Grapes and smoking is muksa. Un- un- unripe grapes, unripe raisins are muksa. So when Shabbos came in, it was muksa. Next morning, again, it was beautifully hot. They dried out a bit more. The process continued, and they are now beautifully edible raisins. May I eat them? May I not eat them? Says the Gemara, of course, you may not eat them. Since they were muksa on the onset of Shabbos, since they were muksa when Shabbos came in, they retained that muksa state throughout Shabbos. Because an unprepared article, be it food, be it a vessel, be it whatever it may be, a stone, unprepared article remains unprepared and cannot be prepared, cannot become muksa on Shabbos, and therefore retains its muksa state. So, in order to get around the table from being muksa, we need to, we need to remove the muksa from the article, from the bosses, on the, in the onset of Shabbos. And therefore, if I have my candlesticks on the table, I must, I must place chalas on the table as Shabbos comes in. Because if they're not on the table as Shabbos comes in, to place them on the table after Shabbos has come in, it's too late. It's beca- it became muksa when Shabbos came in, throughout the duration of the Nashmoshes. It therefore cannot become mukhan, cannot become unmuksa until the end of Shabbos. So to prevent my table from becoming muksa, I must, therefore, have my chalas, or whatever it is, my, my permitted article, on the table, as the as Shabbos starts at the beginning of the Nishmoshes, and he must remain there throughout the Nishmoshes. Till Shabbos comes in. Once Shabbos has come in, I then eat my chala. Fine. My table is not a bosses. It can be the wine as well. My table is not a bosses. The brandy. It's got to be something which is more relevant to you for Shabbos then, now, you can't, you need to have, you need to have lechemishna for Shabbos. You don't need brandy for Shabbos. In fact, it might be good not to have brandy for Shabbos. <laughs> <coughs> so, another example of where it's relevant to us would be very often we don't really need to move our table to Shabbos, and our tables are fine. But what we do need to do is, if we start candles on, on the table, which many do, and don't forget, Hasidim are very makrid. Anybody who comes from Hasidim should stop to know that they are very makrid to light the candles on the table. They will not light it on the side, on the sideboard. It must be on the table and only on the table. So you have a problem then. If you have your candles on the table, how do I remove my tablecloth? Understandably, you eat fish with crane, and the 50% of it will go on the tablecloth. How do I remove that tablecloth to be able to change it to have a clean table? I've got guests coming tomorrow morning. I need a clean tablecloth. And it looks, doesn't look nice when you have just half a tablecloth which stops at the candlestick. It doesn't look nice. So what do I do? So in order to get around that, I need to make, I need to be able to arrange that my tray, which the candlestick is lying on, is not muksa. So I have to place a permitted article on my tray before Shabbos comes in so that the tray will not be a bosses. And if it's not a bosses, I can then pick up the tray anytime a Shabbos, move it to the side, take my tablecloth off, and then pick up the tray and put it back again, because the tray is not muksa. Now, ideally, when I'm moving an, an, an item which is muksa, with an item which is muksa on top of it, I should ideally tip off the item which is muksa. But if the item which is muksa is going to get damaged, 
and you don't have to tip it off. So now none of us are going to actually tip our candlesticks on the floor to be able to move the tray. So then it's permitted, if the tray is not muksa, it's permitted to pick up the tray and move it across, etc., onto the side, take the tablecloth off, and then move it back. Because the, uh, the, uh, the tray has not become muksa, but that's only if I have placed a permitted item on the tray on the onset of Shabbos, and it remained there throughout Bain Hashmoshes. And it remained there throughout Bain Hashmoshes. Where the difficulty lies with a tray is not every article is really considered placed on the tray. Now, if you put chalas on the tray, there will be many possible say to you, that's ridiculous. You never put your chalas on a tray which holds candlesticks. You just don't put chalas on that type of tray. Uh, some people like to put their jewelry on a tray. Uh, others will say to you, you never, it's just not a place where you place jewelry. So it loses the chashivas of where it is. And therefore the tray still remains subservient to the muksa article, rather than to the mutter article. So you have to place on the tray something which one would and can and does place on a tray. If you place something on that tray which is more chasher to you for Shabbos than the, than the flame, then that tray will not become muksa. So for instance, if you place your becher, which you're going to use for kiddush on the tray, which one does place bechers on the tray, and the trays where, where, where one puts the candlesticks, is a tray that one could place a becher on. It's not unheard of. It's quite, quite a normal tray, different nice and shapes, and glass trays and this trays, but one does put bechers and little lechaim glasses on trays of similar type. So becher is needed for Shabbos. You want your becher for Kiddush. So it has a value to you, a greater value than the actual flame. So by placing that becher on the tray, and you must make sure that it remains there from the beginning of Shabbos till the end of Bein Hashemoshes, till Nacht, till when Shabbos really begins, that tray is now not muksa. You then take the becher off, you make Kiddush with it, and at the end of the meal, you can pick up your tray and move it to the side. In the summer, it's a problem. In the summer, it's a problem that you would have to t- take it off and put it back again. So if you take it off and make kiddush and put it back, but there's plenty, plenty of things in our home which we can use as 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 a an article to put on the tray next to the the canister. It just has to be something which makes sense. It can't be something which is ridiculous. You can take it off and make kiddush and put it back again. You can do that, but then it's got to remain there until not, which will be sometimes even uh, after the later of the year, depending what time you've done. No, there's no issue to move it even the candles burning. The, the, the only problem with candles burning is a different issue. But the problem with candles burning is, now, it's, if you, let's talk about if you light with olive oil, which is becoming a trend now, and people are moving down the road of lighting with olive oil, very nice, lovely minute. But if you want to light with olive oil, there is a problem if you move the olive oil inside the cup. And since it's moving away from the wick, if you reduce the amount of oil that the wick is exposed to, that's already a problem of diminishing the light. The, the flame will diminish. It's a, a problem of mechaber. So if you are going to move a candle, now if you watch a candle and analyze how a candle works, you will see that candle really works in exactly the same way. The top of the candle melts, it becomes liquid paraffin, the light, the flame, then burns that liquid paraffin. If you would move that liquid paraffin to the side, the flame would reduce because it's exposed to less fuel, less liquid paraffin. If you are going to move a tray with, with flame on it, you must move it very, very carefully. You move very slowly so that the liquid on the top of the candle doesn't move from side to side or spill, or the oil, the olive oil inside the cups are not moving from side to side and spill, which will be a problem on the chabba. Outside of that, there's actually no difference. You're moving a dover mutter. It's tilted on the outside. I need to move this tray for the mokim underneath it, which is tilted on the outside, as we've learned, to move a muksa article via a permitted article, and this tray is not permitted because it's not a bosses, in order for the sake of the tray or for the sake of the place underneath, that's totally permitted on Shabbos. I can't tilt, I can't spill up the candlesticks because that's a sakana and it will damage, so I'm now permitted to pick up the tray, move it to the side, 
Take off my favorite clock and move it back in, despite the fact that the candles are still burning. Now, I would advise you to wait till they go out because it is a problem on the chabot. But Mi'ikadadina, if one really wants to, uh, according to the basic halacha, there's no real issa. So why move it? Then you don't need to move it. You have no problem at all. You have no problem. Now that's a way around it. But if you particularly want to light on light on the on the table, I've never lit candles. I've lit candles anywhere besides my table. Uh, all my married life, wife, my wife's always lit on the table. That's fantastic. But uh, we don't have room in our country for a table. Uh, you want to buy me a bigger house, Mrs. Graydon? I'm happy, but we don't have room uh, in our house for for a table. So we light on the on the central table. And if we want to move the table, we have a problem. So the the solution to the problem is make sure that the tray isn't the bosses. Make sure the tray isn't the bosses. Again, the problem with the Syrian is, do you ever put Sidurim on trays? If, if one doesn't normally place Sidurim on a tray, then it's not really holding and supporting that, that Siddur. So then it becomes a slight problem. On that, there's a big, big discussion in the pre- present day, possibly, whether that solves the problem or not. You're best off to put something which one does normally put on a tray. You can because you want the tray where you want the tray where it is, or you want the space that you put the tray down. Yeah, that's fine. Again, as long as you're being metalkul minatzad, you're moving a double muksa via through the means of a permitted keli, then you can move it as long as the, the purpose of it is the sake, the mocking for the sake of the place, or for the sake of the tray itself. There's, just briefly to run through some of the halachas which are relevant to bosses, and I'm going to elaborate on them Hashem, in the coming year. And I don't want to go through too many halachas and bosses because they are complicated. And what we've learned tonight, both simple and, and in, its, in, in real terms, it's simple, but there's enough there for us to, to uh, absorb for one week. So I don't want to really go through too many halachas, but I'm going to run through briefly some of the halachas which are relevant to bosses, and we'll analyze them a bit more and elaborate on them in the, in the coming year. The halacha of bosses is only relevant if you actually placed an article there. So you have to intentionally place the article. If you didn't intentionally place the article, if you forgot unintentionally left an article in a, on, on a permitted case, uh, so for instance, you left a pen on the front end table unintentionally. You put it there Friday, you were signing a check because some bill came, you signed the check, and you put the, t- the pen down, and you completely forgot that you put the pen there. That table does not now become a bosses. It doesn't become bosses. Or, for instance, um, if it was put there without intention to leave it for the Holy Shabbos, you left it there. You, you remembered you put it there, but your intention was to take it off in a few minutes. Or your intention was to take it off halfway through Shabbos. That article, that keli, or the table, or whatever it is, does not become a bosses. A bosses has conditions to it. It has to be that you intended to put it there. It has to be that you intended to leave it there for the duration of Shabbos. A bosses cannot become a bosses if somebody else plays an article of muksa on your permitted article. So if you come to my house and place something muksa on my table, that doesn't, my table is not a bosses. The table can only become subservient to a muksa article if the owner of the table has placed that muksa article on that table. Otherwise, you have no ability to make my article into something which is muksa. So if somebody came in intentionally, left something on my table for the rest of Shabbos, for the whole of Shabbos, it won't become muksa. 
Bosses is only a bosses if it was placed by the owner with the intention. The relevance of these halachas are enormous because these halachas do really reduce the amount of bosses that we really are open up to on every single Shabbos. It's rare that we actually have a, a, a real case of bosses. Candlesticks is one of the few cases. Most cases of bosses are not bosses. If you have a drawer of moksha, it might be bosses. But there's very few cases of real bosses in, in a home. So, for instance, if you had in your cupboard uh, a, a packet of washing powder on top of, uh, I don't know, a packet of um, paper, paper plates, which you want to use for Shabbos, you didn't put that washing powder on top of those paper plates because you intended it to remain on top of those paper plates. It just so happened that that's the way it was when you stuck into the cupboard. Then that, those paper plates are not bosses because there's no, there was no intention for you to leave them there. The, the examples we'll discuss in the Kamashim Hashem are enormous where most cases of bosses are not real bosses. And therefore, if you just the muksha article off the, the item underneath, the item underneath will remain permitted to be, to be used on Shabbos. It's only when you intended to leave them there, such as candlesticks, and that's why we focused on candlesticks, where the actual item underneath will become the bosses. That's the broad background of the halachas of bosses. That's shown we will elaborate on them in the coming year. Just to finish off with a very short debatoya, we find in the end of this week's, in the middle of this week's segment, this is Pasha Shira, the Pasha of Shira where Kaiser came out of the shrine, they traveled to the Kriya Samsuf, they hit trouble at Kriya Samsuf, they were chased by Pyro, they, the fact that Pyro chased up in the, the, the Slave mentality reared its ugly head again, and they felt like slaves again. They felt trapped. And along came Nachshin. Along came Nachshin, who came from Shevet Judah, and he jumped into the water, and he split the sea. They came out of the water. They saw the complete destruction of Mitzrayim, of Pari, and all the Egyptians, and they sang Shira. The Shira starts with the words, Oz, Yashir, Moshe, Esashir, Azos. Oz, Yashir, Moshe, in the future tense. Oz, then, Yashir, he will sing. That's the literal translation of the word Oz, Yashir. The Lord says in Sanhedrin from this. Possibly we can see that there's such a thing as Chesam Mesim. We know the Chesam Mesim in our How do we know from the Torah that there's such a concept of Chesam Mesim, of the resurrection of, the, of people who have died? And the answer is, says the Gemara, because it says, of Yashir and Moshe, then Moshe will sing Shira, meaning that the true Shira of Kalish will only really be sang at the time of Chesam Mesim, at the time of the true Gula and the Asid Lavi. Just for a moment, let us focus and understand why here at Chesam Shamsul, at Shira, with the concept of Shira, does the Torah give us the remez, the idea of Chiyas HaMesim? And the answer is very simple. We say every day in Davening, Ashir Lashem Ki Gamal Aloi. Ashir Lashem Ki Gamal Aloi. Ani V'chastucho Batachti Yogein Libi Bishu Asecho. Ani V'chastucho Batachti, when I am relying on your kindness, Yogein Libi, my heart will rejoice, Bishu Asecho, in your salvation. But Ashir Lashem Aloi, Sing Takarish Bochu Ki Gamal Aloi, when it's actually being carried out. When that salvation has actually happened, that's when I will sing. The process of Shira is such that a person truly only sings when he reaches a level of complete salvation. A person, when he's reached complete happiness, and complete happiness can only really be achieved when total salvation has happened, that's when you sing, that's when you, you sing the Shira. Kaiser came out of Mitzrayim. Kaiser went through the creation of Yes, they saw the destruction of the Egyptians. But did they really have complete salvation? They, hadn't, they didn't have complete salvation yet. They had to go through the Midbar. They had to struggle with all the struggles in the Midbar. Uh, they went to the Israel. They had to fight with all the, all the, the kings and, and all the all different nations who were surrounding Israel and lived in Israel. Did Kaiser even succeed and have even succeeded? They didn't actually go to Israel and achieve that, that which they wanted to achieve. The only time Kaiser will really reach 
the true shleimus, the true level, the completion, the complete exodus of Mitzrayim. The only time you really will come out from Mitzrayim is when we reach the Tzitz Hamesim. The Rambam Gaon quotes, quoting from Isaiah, that if you look in the Torah, it says fifty times in the Torah, it says fifty times in the Torah, Asher Tzitzichom Eretz Mitzrayim, the I who took you out of Mitzrayim, fifty times, meaning that there's fifty steps in the life of Klalisol where we need to climb through. 50 exodus of Mitzrayim. We, at the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the time of the exodus of Mitzrayim, we passed one step, two steps, three steps, but we never actually completely broke our connection to Mitzrayim. In fact, today, in today where we live, in Western, in Western culture, we are still very much tied in to the Egyptian ideology. We are tied into the physical boundaries of Eilam Hazar. Mitzrayim means boundaries, Mitzrayim means Eilam Hazar. We are still very much connected to Eilam Hazar. To be connected to the Bani Shalom and totally disconnected from this world will only happen when we, when we reach the 50th Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. And the God says the 50th Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is the Almechi Hashem Elitecho, Hashem Tzitzichom Es Mitzrayim. When we arrive at that point where we visually see that HaKadosh Baruch is saying, Almechi Hashem Elitecho, I am, and there's nothing else in this world besides me, that's when we com- completed our exodus from Mitzrayim. It's at that point, and only at that point, and we can truly sing Shira. It's at that point that our neshamas, our, our, our inner happiness, will not just be an inner happiness. It will, it will burst through all the boundaries of a physical person to express itself in this, this true Shira, in the real Shira of our Shira Lashem Tigamalalo. It's only at that point that we can really, really complete the Shira. So yes, Ozi Yashi Moshe, they sang Shira when they came out from the time, because there was an element of, of completion at Kriyashamsu. Chazal say, we are Shifcha Alayom. The maidservants saw at the time of Kriya Samsuf, Mashallah Yeroi Yecheskel ben which the Novi Yecheskel didn't even see. That means they reached a level of elevation, a level of clarity of HaKadosh Baruch at that point, but only momentarily. It wasn't there for good. It was there just for that moment, and then it passed. But at that moment, they could sing Shira. But there wasn't a Shira that was everlasting. It wasn't a Shira that could last, because that moment passed. And we returned back to the physical world, and back to some of the boundaries of, 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 of Mitzrayim and Tari. It's only when we will reach the point of Tchis HaMesim, and then we'll be in Oz, Yashit Moshe. At that point, we will truly sing. At that point, we will be at the level of Shlemish, where we will really see the Moshe Hashem Lekecho, and we will be Zecha, to be able to express our tremendous happiness through the, 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 through the means of Shira, in its truest form. At that point, there will be a real level of Shira. So the passage, Oz, Yashit Moshe, how do I know this Tchis HaMesim in Atari? Where does Atari tell us there's such an idea of Tchis HaMesim? Here, this week's Sedra, at the point of Shira, the point when we know that we've reached the final exodus of Mitzrayim, where we've seen the Kaddish Baruch and we've heard him say, That's the point that we're striving to, and that's the point that we're very close to. All we need to do is keep Shabbos, and Chazal say, If you guard two Shabbos, because the summer portion, that means one Shabbos in the past, and the next, the coming Shabbos, or sometimes some say, in one single Shabbos, if we can keep it in its total shameless, one Shabbos has two elements to it. It has the past week, and it has the future week. If you can keep a Shabbos totally with all the halachas, all the halachas that we've learned, and sticking with halachas and muksim, which are so relevant, and we'll be there to see the true Gola, we'll be there to be able to sing that shir of the Hebrew Amen. Amen.